everyone welcome to another episode of cranked and ranked uh back again after a uh, a week off hopefully nobody missed us too much out there um but we're but we're here and we're uh, ready to rank things that we cranked um i i am steven aka old head with me as always mr eddie sparks hello sir sup sup um yeah so to be completely honest, like I, I, it, it's, it, it's rough for me when we don't see each other for, <laughs> for a week. <laughs> I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've become um, a part of your life, dude. <laughs> I know I, in a, in a big way. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we're back doing this again. And, um, we're, we're doing an, another, uh, a fun one because we're not, focusing on a band discography uh this week this week as you can see on the title of the video we're going to be doing our top 10 albums from 1977 um a year before i was born and um and and as usual when we do these year episodes i always try to you know point out that um these are our favorite albums from 1977, not the best albums from 1977. So, um, and and I, I I think I've said this a million times. It always annoys me when one dude does a list and like, these are the best of this. And I'm like, no, no, those are your favorites. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, that's ridiculous. We're, we're, we're not doing this podcast because we think we're right about everything. Um, we just think that we're mildly amusing. Some of you think even so. though we are. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be doing uh, uh, top 10 of 1977. And um, so this is interesting because, you know, it's a year before I was born, but it was like. What? 21. 21 years before you were born. Yeah. Yeah. One year after my mother was born. Oh yeah, because because I'm old enough to be your father. <laughs> All right, whippersnapper. Let's uh, let's let's we're do we're doing uh, a top ten. Um, we used to do top fives and then throw in some honorable mentions, but I almost feel like it's more fun just to just to rank ten and then just call it right there. Because um, yeah, that way you get I, I more like albums that. and you get and it, it's more important. You know the albums we're talking about because they're actually ranked in the order that we like them and not just some thrown in at the end um, just to yeah. mention them. And, um, 77 is an interesting year for me. Like, like honestly, there's, there was already a whole lot of albums that I really like. Some of which I didn't, it didn't even make my top 10. Um, and some that some people would think are absolute classics that have, I've completely left out of my Hmm. top 10, um, just because these are my favorites. And, uh, and it's, uh, I'm being honest with everybody out there. So, um, I guess let's just let's jump into it. I mean, what what I don't know. It's it's so weird. We took a week off, and now I'm all like, "How do we do this again?" Do yeah. we? <laughs> it's so weird. But um, let's let's do it as usual. I throw it over to uh, Edward Sparks to um, kick us off with his uh, number ten album from 1977. Cool. 
So my number 10 pick for 1977 is Sin After Sin by Judas Priest. Okay, cool. So my placings of Judas Priest's 70s output on our Judas Priest episodes, go check them out if you haven't seen them already. That's a little, little we did, hint to the hint. A fucking, we did a fucking three-parter, right, of Judas yeah. Priest. That one was huge. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was I, like, I think I annoyed some people because I'm not a fan, and I, and I, it was my first time <laughs> listening to their whole discography, and I was yeah. very just like, some of their stuff's great, and some of it I'm just like, woo, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if, you, if you're a listener who's only come online recently with the show, we have like an entire six, at least six hours of just priest talk where, and there's a lot of hot takes in there. So if you want. If you want some spicy priest, check those out. But uh, <laughs> that's a li- spicy priest. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, my placings of them, the '70s stuff was kind of controversial compared mm-hmm. to the albums I put above them. Not to give anything away, but I recognize good music regardless, and and this is a damn good '70s early metal album. Yeah. Like it's it's got a couple moments showing off their like softer side, but it has it also has a song on it that Slayer would go on to cover eleven years later with Dissident Aggressor. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got the you got the best of both worlds in that regard, you know. Opening with Sinner, absolute tune. Diamonds and Rust is a classic. Starbreaker is a oh, Starbreaker has such a good chorus. Um cool songs, but the fact I vibe with so much other stuff from this year above it, paired with my yeah. kind of complicated relationship with Judas Priest, which mm-hmm. I, t- I talk about in the Priest ranking, it made this my number 10 pick. But I, because I have loved it so much in the past and I still visit the best, what I think are the best songs from it. Um, I mean, it's got some strong, strong stuff on it. I also think yeah, it's probably. I remember it being one. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say it's probably the best produced of their seventies output. If you, like, m- maybe excluding Hellbent for Leather or Slash Killing Machine, the same album. I think this is the best produced of their seventies um, stuff. Yeah, I re- I just remember. I think that one was lower in my list, if I remember right. Sin after sin. Um, yeah, may, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a, a ranking we did. And I, and I know the ones that were my favorites and I've never looked back on any of the other ones. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> there's the few in there that I was like, ah, these are cool. And then the rest of them, I'm like, nah, that's, that's, um, that's, it's not for I, I me. I, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> not really for me. I don't know what it is that, that, that doesn't click with me with a lot of priests. Um, but, um, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. I'll, clearly this album is not. <laughs> in my <Yeah>. list because <laughs> I'm just like eh, whatever um, and so I actually just for the benefit of the of the viewers on the YouTube side of things I po- apologies for listeners but if you choose to listen to this as a podcast um, I respect you but I'm going to add a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a few little things in for people watching on YouTube um, I, I, I brought my vinyl copies of every one of these albums, except for two, because there are two nice. of these. There are two that I don't yet have on vinyl. Um, one of which, my number ten, I'm going to talk about. 
Um, it's not very, you don't, you don't run across this album very cheap. Um, so I haven't picked it up yet, but my number 10, uh, is the album Queens of Noise by the Runaways. Ah. And, um, it's, uh, it's, it might be my favorite Runaways albums. I mean, cause they, I mean, they did two with the original lineup of the group. And then I think they did two more after Sherry Curry left, which had more mm. Joan Jett and a little bit of Lita Ford, uh, singing on it. But Queens of Noise, I mean, even, even on Queens of Noise, it's got a lot of Joan Jett vocals on it. Um, but I really like this album because the vibe of it and the sound of it, like it's pretty heavy. Like, you know, a lot of people, you, you say the runaways and they know Cherry Bomb off the first album, um, which is a very sort of it's 70s pop rock kind of stuff. Um, they were, yeah. you know, they were a little heavier than that. But um, I feel like with Queens of Noise, the actual sonic representation of it is also very heavy. Like it's I feel like they kind of got it right. Um, and there's a lot of cool songs on it. And, um, and overall, yeah, it probably is the best. Like if I was going to point somebody to the runaways, I'm all like, well, you know, if you've heard cherry bomb, you know, that first album's fine. Just, you know, go, go get to, get to Queens of noise. Cause there's a, it's a, it's a lot, it's a beefier album. And I, I like that in every, you know, yeah. um, but it's at my number 10 just because like as much as I enjoy this album out of all the 10 that I picked this was the one that has the most songs where I go it's not really that great of a song I'm more just <laughs> I'm I'm more just into the vibe of the album it's got like half the songs I think are pretty strong and are cool and then there's other ones that I kind of go all right well like you know it's a song I guess honestly the the what I think is one of the weakest songs is the song Queens of Noise, which which starts the album off. Um, and it wasn't written by any of the members of the Runaways. It was like another person, an outside songwriter that wrote that for them. Um, right. But um, it's I mean, it's fine. It's an iconic song for them. But I think the where the album goes from there, it actually gets better, um, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, not a lot to say about it. If you if you're into the Runaways and you know. Um, if you want to hear some cool heavy '70s rock uh, with you know, female vocalists play, played entirely by by women, um, which was I guess in 1977, like that was a that was a big deal. Like we're like we're mm. there. I'm trying to think of of before them a rock band that was entirely made up of women because you had obviously you had women in rock bands, you had women guitar yeah. players, but were they indeed the first full rock band? fully female hmm. I, I feel like they were um i might be wrong but uh but you know somebody out there in the in the youtube world uh put a comment in there if i'm wrong if there was one before them but they were the first significant one i would i would think um yeah oh while it's on my mind um have you ever heard that album by the shags no it's it's like it, it's like one of the worst albums like ever made but <laughs> <laughs> is it old it, uh, it's like uh, it's got to be late 60s early 70s but i think i i remember hearing the story about it, it i i think it's just it's three girls uh-huh. and i think they had like rich parents or some shit i can't remember the specifics of the story but the, <laughs> like no one is on time or key <laughs> at all throughout the whole fucking thing that's awesome <laughs> and it's like uh, it's a whole album. I think um, Kurt Cobain even said it was one of his biggest influences. 
which oh my God. is like, it's one of those things that adds up, but you know, it's, it's something, it's a sight to behold. The shags. For. Okay. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're British, right? Cause I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it was, I think it's spelled S A, uh, sorry, S H A G G S. I'm, I'm really not sure. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but I'm pretty sure it's like regarded as one of the worst recorded things ever. Interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to check that out. The shags. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my... That's an old female. That's, that's my uh, <laughs> that's my number 10, uh, uh, Queens of Noise. Uh, move on to, to your number nine. Cool. So uh, my number nine is Street Survivors by Leonard Skinner. All right. So this is kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a cursed album retrospectively. Like if you look at the album art and what would happen three days after it was released, uh-huh. you know, with the plane with the plane crash and all that, you know, it's um, they even re-released it with a new cover so as to not be um, so fucking scarily. Did they, did they also change the name to Street? Not everybody survived. <laughs> 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 too soon? Is it too soon? Uh, I mean, it's been like what, <laughs> fucking forty years now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's the last um, Skinner album recorded with, you know, original members Ronnie Van Zant and that. You know, it's but it's got some great songs on it. Uh, you got what's your name? That smell? I know a little. Like just some. It's really good. I know you're not the biggest like southern rock country guy but um when it comes when it comes down to it leonard skinner i mean they 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 do it and they do it really well and they uh yeah i mean i I gotta say delving into their individual albums has been kind of a recent affair for me i've always been kind of a greatest hits guy when it came to skinner yeah but like I delved into their first album the other day and then I thought, oh shit, actually like a lot of these deep cuts are kind of fire. And now <laughs> I'm literally looking at an album where they're on fire. <laughs> I mean, and, really uh, they, they've, they've kind of, they kind of became, have become like the Beatles of Southern rock. Like if anyone yeah. says Southern rock, like that's, that's the, the, whatever you call it, the gold standard, I guess, you know? Yeah. They're the one, that people's minds jump to, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I just like the flavor of Southern rock. I was kind of raised on, raised on country and stuff like that. But, uh, I, yeah, I might feel, it, I might feel differently about it if I didn't actually live in the South and see that, see that's up, how I feel knowing some people like that. And I just go, yeah, fuck these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, see, that's how I kind of feel about, um, you know, kind of grime. Because like it, I just permanently associate it with like shithead year year eight kids at the back of the bus, you know, just spitting on grandmas as they just drive past, and and then uh, and over here I'm all like, yeah. bring up, bring on the new dizzy rascal. I'm I, that's yeah. that's grime, isn't it? Isn't dizzy rascal? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I, I, I'll I like be, that guy. I'll be the first to admit I had I had bonkers on my iPod Nano in two thousand and nine. Some people think I'm bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, that dude's great. His yeah. first, his first. Well, I mean, I, everything I've heard by him is great. But his first couple albums, um, when they came out, I was like, 
never heard anything like this before. Like as a hip hop yeah. fan, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> and I, and it's, and yeah, it's fucking great. Um, we're not talking about 19, no, what, that would have been like 2003 or something like that when that came yeah. out. But um, 77, we, we, we went from Leonard Skinner to Dizzy Rascal. How did, what <laughs> other uh, podcasts will bring you that kind of transition? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cranked and ranked, yep. master of tangents. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's move on. So far, our lists are different, and I, I'm I'm loving this. Um, I can only there honestly, there's only one that I'm pretty sure we're both going to mention in this list, but all the rest of them I don't really know. Um, but going going on to one I have a vinyl of with me, my number nine uh, is the album In Color by Cheap Trick. Nice. And uh, I, I always loved the the early Cheap Trick art because it was always like they put the two really attractive guys on one side and then the other dudes on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was always like a big, big joke that they, they were yeah. everyone wanted to see the two hotties and the other dudes were just like, yeah, whatever, we'll be on the back cover. Um, but uh, In Color is a fucking great album. It The first like four or five cheap trick albums are just fucking great I, I might as well chime in here and say it's my number eight so that we can just we can just talk right about it oh sweet all yeah. right so uh so but in color is actually uh, of their f- you know first five albums or so in color is actually my least favorite of theirs um and it's only because the it's almost a little bit too polished because like the, like, and I guess you could still, you could even say heaven tonight and dream police. They're both very polished, but they're, they're, they at least feel heavier. Whereas I think the <laughs> heaviness has kind of been stripped out of in color and it's more of like a power pop record, which they did do power pop, but the, I believe the emphasis was on the power until you get to the eighties. And yeah. then the, the emphasis on power was kind of lost for a bit. But, um, I mean, In Color's got fucking I Want You to Want Me, which ended up being like their biggest song ever. Although not the yeah. version on here, though, because the version everybody seems to know is from Live at Budokan. And uh, yeah. the one on here, it's almost like a light little pop tune. And, you know, it's pretty <laughs> cute. But just like the 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 beginning, like the he- hello there going into big eyes, like there's like. There's some really strong tracks on here. Like, Come On, Come On is great. great. Clock Strikes 10. Like, yeah. a lot of really, really great. They, they were, they, they were, they are. Like, they're great songwriters, and they just had an energy to them that, like, it, it almost felt like they were trying to outdo, like, every other band. Like, they were one of those bands that seemed like they came onto the scene like, we want to be the biggest fucking thing around. And you can hear that ambition in their songs. Um, yeah. so in color is, is great. It's just, uh, it's when it comes to cheap trick, it's a little weak, uh, production wise for me, but you, you go, you throw in your two cents. I was just going to say, it, it amazes me when you have such a short album, cause it's only a half hour long, Yeah, but it's got so many different types of pop rock songs on here yeah. and, and it, it just keeps changing, changing up the flavor, but stays consistently good. And uh, I love an album that can do that Hell yeah. in a short short span of time. You know, I'd really rather, I'd rather have thirty minutes of killer than you know fifty minutes of some tracks are better significantly than others. Yeah. So uh, 
Yeah. Awesome. So that we we did we did our number nine and number eight with uh, yep with uh, so this cheap trick in color. So it goes right back over to me. Or do you have anything else to add about in color? Yeah, not really. Uh, other than the fact it's just a great good time rock and roll record. Absolutely, I agree. Um, so mo- moving, uh, staying in power pop territory uh, for my number uh, eight. Uh, my number eight is uh, Violation from the band Ooh. Stars, which is the second Stars album. And uh, just like with In Color, the heaviness of Stars is a little bit stripped out of this one. Um, even the yeah. main, even the main single off this one, which was Cherry Baby, is like might as well be by a different band, except for you know you hear the the vocalist, you know. But there's still some really great guitar work on here. That's the thing. I think I talked about Stars when we did the 1976 episode. Yeah. Because their debut album is fucking insanely good. Um, this one's good, too. It's just... Uh, oh, might as well show the back of the dude. I don't know if I did that or not. If I'm bringing out the vinyl, let's look at the, let's look at the dudes. Um, but uh, Violation is great. It's kind of a weird album because there's parts of it that feel... And I think I read somewhere they were trying to do some kind of a concept album. But at the end of the day, when the record company and everybody got their fingers in it, they literally like mixed all the songs in the wrong order. <laughs> and so like there's no I mean, it doesn't make much sense. But as but as far as I can gather, um, it's literally the the story that like everybody wrote when they wrote concept albums, which is like we can't we, music is now illegal. It's illegal to rock now. <laughs> um, but that album is just, uh, Violation is just fucking fun. And um, every Stars album is fun. That's the thing, is that it's, it's um, they, I, I put them really close to Cheap Trick in that they have that kind of vibe where if you, you want some rock and roll, but you just want it to be fun. Like the, the, all these guys, you know, Cheap Trick and Stars kiss bands like that like they all led to poison you know and all those bands in the 80s like because it's a similar it's a similar vibe um uh, that you know they they would take from that and um sometimes that's you know i know i know you you feel me because you 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 kind of feel the same way where sometimes you just want to like enjoy yourself and you're not really worried about musicianship or uh even like really well-written songs, like some stuff could be pretty much derivative of other things that were already going on. But if it's, if yeah. it's done well, then it doesn't bother me at all. And honestly, I don't think stars necessarily has anything. I mean, the guitar work on it's fucking great and the vocals are great. Um, but yeah, it's, it ends up at number eight further down the list just because um, like I said, with in color, it's uh, when it comes to stars, I'm going to the first stars album. I'm not going to violation, but I I also really like violation. So um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, So we'll move on to, uh, to number seven, your number seven. Cool. So my number seven is, sorry, I I thought I had a, I thought I had some. I, I thought I had a little bit gassy there, but it it changed its mind. It went back down. I'm sure we'll see him later. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there he is. Uh, so oh, there my it is. Hope oh, there it is. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> now that I've got that out of my system, uh, my number seven pick is 
The Alice Cooper Show by... Alice Cooper. Cheap Trick. No, Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is actually a live album, and having seen Alice Cooper live mere months before the pandemic ground live music to a halt, uh -huh. I can confirm that the dude still fucking rocks in his 70s. Yeah, yeah, he does. Like, But one thing about Alice Cooper to me is that the material translates so fucking good in a live setting yeah. that the studio versions have a tendency to fall a teeny bit short of the sheer badassery of the live version. So, like, I feel like that's I hear, why live albums in the seventies were such a big deal because it almost seemed like a lot of times the, the the studio produced albums didn't really get the sound across the way a live recording could. And 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 funnily yeah. enough. They would do a live album and then they would go into the studio and and overdub shit anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it's like maybe that's the way they should have just done albums full stop. Just record it at a live show and then go in and fix all the little bits and mix it and put it out there. So yeah, like it, this this album's a collection of some of his greatest songs from the seventies performed live with the atmosphere that truly serves the songs well enough to make you feel like you're there in that moment. Yeah, like. Even down to the guitar tone, the guitar tone is so much heavier live than they captured on any of the 70s albums. Because the thing is, I, I don't know what it is about like the production on, on 70s Alice Cooper, but it's when you hear it live, it's almost like, did we jump about... 10 years ahead with guitar technology to get this sound because it's so much bigger live. And, you know, I, I wish, I mean, there's probably unofficial ones, but as far as I know, this is the only seventies Alice Cooper live album. And it's like, kind of wish he'd done more, but it almost seems like uh, the, like, like engineers and producers just didn't know how to handle loud electric guitars, you know, some some got it right, but it seemed like the number of producers that knew how to do it was pretty low. And then as the '80s moved in, I feel like everyone got a lot better at knowing how to yeah. handle them. I th I think like the the moment I kind of point to where there was this seismic shift on how soaring a guitar sound could be was when Boston came along. Oh. Like the guitar, like that guitar tone laid the groundwork for like the next 16 years. And that, I mean, and that would be one year after the year we're talking about, because 78 was the first Boston album. No, that was 76. No so, fucking way it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Boston was 76. Oh, cause we haven't done 78 yet. We did 76 and we talked about Boston in the <clears throat> 1976 episode. Wow. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That mean, I ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like th this is a really good live album, um, it, and I I think it's probably it's probably the best recording of the seventies work because it it just serves it so well. I feel like Alice Cooper is is as much a a theater act as it is a band, you know. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's energetic in production and performance. It fucking kills. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Some out some Alice Cooper in this episode. So um my number seven uh is probably the only one that I feel like a lot of people won't know who the fuck this is. 
So I'm going to have to do some kind of an explanation, like a like a miniature bands you should know episode in this cranked and ranked. Uh, my number seven is the debut album from the band Detective. Oh. And uh, and here's here there they are. There's Detective. Um, so th- this is um, this is released. If you look, it's on Swan Song Records, which is Led Zeppelin's label. And um, they sometimes people describe this band unfairly as kind of a Led Zeppelin wannabe in certain aspects, but that's only because the vocalist occasionally sounds like Robert Plant, only he's a way mm. better singer. And the drummer, the drums are produced exactly the same way Bonham's drum, like the big sounding drums. Yeah. But the difference between the bands is that their songs are all about vibe. Like there's, mm. it's not about rock hooks uh, or, or riffs or big choruses. Like there's so much music on this album that it's just kind of like, you just kind of get into it and go, yeah. And like, and the, and the song may not actually go anywhere, but just the, the vibe of what's happening in the song, it's just, it fe- it's so fucking good. And all, and the way it's produced is great. Sounds amazing. The 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 guitar interplay is really cool because it's like I'm just spitting everywhere. I apologize. Um, <laughs> got so excited talking about Detective. Um, but uh, they only did two albums, and as far as I know, they weren't really well received. I think some people mm. were into them, but I think that that it that was basically it. And I think some of the members went on to do other stuff that. I don't think was even you know very well known anyway after that, but I just this album just has such a great vibe that like you put it on and it just kind of takes you on a little journey and um, I love it. It's cool. It's and and it's like it's one of those bands that like I discovered them simply because I you know I would see things about other bands from the seventies. I liked doing shows with detective like cheap trick or somebody like that. You, I think kiss may have also, um, you see the band detective. And so usually I'll go, who the fuck's detective. And I looked them up and I'm like, this is, this is cool. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's a, it's a fun album. Their, their second album, uh, is not as good, but, uh, it's still great. But this first one, man, it's got such a, I highly recommend it if you just want to like hear some cool, groovy rock music that uh, that just kind of. I mean, the the best, the the easiest way to describe it is it literally it's just a vibe, Um, and uh, that's why I like it, and that's why it's my number seven, Detective. Cool, that's uh, that's an obscure even I haven't heard of, so I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. Definitely. Cool. So my number six is the Grand Illusion by Styx. Wow, this is this is yeah. ending, ending up in it, this, I love it because we're we're covering a whole lot of ground here, and this is uh, the best way that this could have could have turned out. Yeah this this album to me is like the perfect cross section of. Uh, progressive and accessible. So you've got all of this proggy stuff going on. I mean, the the album starts like this uh, medieval procession, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in all of these different songs, you know, Grand Illusion, Fooling Yourself, Superstars, uh, 
Come Sail Away. Uh, I mean, that that's an iconic song. Uh, but yeah, like, it, it, t- it took, I actually heard that song first from South Park. So it took oh. me a long time. It took me a long time to shake away the thought of Cartman like having to sing the so whole song. He has to sing the whole song. Yeah. I remember that Come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me. Yeah. <laughs> it is true because, um, but it is that kind of song that like you want to get to the end of it. Like the, it starts yeah. off, but like the big, the, the, the big part of the song is, is closer <laughs> to the end. You have to make it through. Yeah. I, I just, it, it took me the longest time to stop singing it in the Cartman voice <laughs> in my car. I'm singing away. so good. But um, it was, you know, deeper cuts like Miss America. Now this is a stomping guitar song. You know, the, the riff in this is so cool. Uh, Man in the Wilderness, Castle Walls. Now, Castle Walls, I actually recognize the, uh, there's like a harpsichord. I was like, where have I heard that before? Come to find it, I actually heard it in the, it was one of the songs in the Scarface soundtrack that sampled that part of the song. And it's it, it was like one of those cool moments where I thought, "Yo, what? That that's cool." That's I, I think it's I think it's "She's on Fire" uh-huh. from um the yeah the Scarface soundtrack, and also GTA Three soundtrack. But uh, <laughs> by Scarface, you mean the game the the game Scarface? No, no, I the mean movie? in um the, yeah the movie. But, wow, um, that's interesting. It, it, it does have a it does have a video game tie-in because GTA three has an AE station on it that is literally the whole Scarface soundtrack. Oh, but, all right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all. That was always a a good station on there. Flashback FM, I think it's called. But um, yeah, it, this is a really cool album that it doesn't go so far into the prog territory that it's. Um, inaccessible for um, kind of novice listeners to the genre, yeah. but it also still keeps all the grandeur. So all of the songs feel massive as well. And um, I love the artwork on this album too. Like it's such a mind fuck. Um, and I mean, the album's called The Grand Illusion, so it makes sense. But there's like a a a silhouette of a of a dude on a horse going through a forest but the silhouette has a woman's face in it with some psychedelic you know roger dean looking stuff in there and i don't know who did it i don't know how it could have been roger dean but uh yeah i love it it's a cool album sweet um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to stay uh in the proggy territory for my number six cool. um i don't have this one on vinyl uh, eventually I'll get there. But my number six is uh, Animals by Pink Floyd. And it... Cool. It might This might be my favorite Pink Floyd album. Um, it's hard to tell. I went through a really big Pink Floyd phase in my 20s where I yeah. was... I listened to, like, everything up until the final cut. For some reason, once Waters left, I like certain songs off of the albums they put out after that. But um, for the most part, it, it, it lost something. Um, some people would say they lost something, you know, when Sid Barrett left, you know, decade, mm. decades before or whenever, you know. 
but animals is like is what I guess I could I could say the same sort of thing that I say about the detective album about animals because it is they're long songs and it's all it's a there's a vibe that goes through it it's you're you're you got to be all in um but it feels good like it's almost like like I remember like when I was listening to it this last time I was trying to come up with a with a comparison of how it made me feel when I listened to it and if it's almost kind of like floating around in a in a heated pool when it's freezing outside and just that weird yeah. just that feeling of like it feels really good but also kind of weird because there's the juxtaposition of the coldness and the warmth that you're now floating in um that's probably the, the weirdest thing i've ever said about an album yeah. because there is like a there is a darkness to this album but also it's it's still got your really badass sort of 70s guitar leads and stuff in it and um um it's just it's just really well written like the if you give me an album that's got several really long songs on it most of the time like i get kind of bored but like there's enough of a vibe going and enough cool shit happening and it's not you know their version of proggy was never like like real prog fans aren't going to look at this album and call it prog it's yeah it's not aside from those song lengths really but um but yeah it's just a it's just a great a great uh uh album and 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 i think like it's it's really interesting to the 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 trajectory of the band and the, their their progression because like animals is honestly um if you really think about it, like the first album where I feel like even though they did really great songs, they still seemed like they were spinning their wheels a little bit because they went from metal to dark side of the moon to wish you were here, which are three very unique albums. And then you get to animals and you can hear things in animals that harken back to something on wish you were here or something on metal. Um, and um, so in that respect, like it's not really them breaking a lot of new ground except for making a bunch of long songs. Um, but I think they did it really well. And I and it's it's uh, it's a really enjoyable album for me. And that's why it's my uh, my number six Pink Floyd with animals. Moving on to uh, number five. Yeah, that's the way numbers work. Right. Number five. Johnny Five is alive. <laughs> oh, I was, I was one because I every time I say number five, that's what I think is Short yeah. Circuit, which is I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid because I'm pretty damn sure it's going to be fucking horrible <laughs> if uh, I watch uh, it now. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a sequel guy. I like the second one the best. Oh, with with the Los Locos kick your ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Los Locos kick your face. Los, Los Locos, Locos kick, kick your balls, balls into outer, outer space. space. <laughs> Stupid as fuck, man. It's, it's awesome, dude. Plus, it, plus at this point, the a, a white dude playing an Indian character isn't that cancelable? Can we get? Can we just cancel these movies now? Oh shit! I don't even. I I didn't. I didn't know at the time it was a it was a white dude. As a white I dude, I um, haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> but you know, number one, number one does get the bonus of having the Gutenberg in it, and I'm all about the Gutenberg. And I miss I miss that guy. I don't know why he does. He needs to make a comeback, like a lot of actors do when like they get a little older and gruffer, and all of a sudden they're doing 
serious roles and you're like, oh, Gutenberg's yeah. a badass. Like it's got a Gutenberg. If you're out there um, from one Steve to another, <laughs> if you're uh, <laughs> if you're out there or somebody knows Steve Gutenberg, t- tell him that he, people people miss him. He doesn't need to do any more police academy. He just need, just come back and uh, <laughs> and be the badass Gutenberg. We all know that you can be. Um, anyway, moving on <laughs> to number five. Cool. So my uh, my number five is Little Queen by Heart. All right. Cool. So like this album, it, it's a complete blend of folk and hard rock. And like mm-hmm. Hart's Led Zeppelin influence was like never a secret by any means. Like the the reissue contains a cover of Stairway, but Hart took this folk meets rock thing, added their feminine touch and badass swagger to it, and made mm-hmm. it their own. Um, I mean, Anne Wilson, backed by Nancy, Nancy Wilson, Wilson, yeah, like the vocals on this i know i know it's kind of i know it's kind of a duh thing to say at this point if you know 70s music but yeah ann wilson is an it's still an amazing singer like like yeah i'm i I, it's she has a great she has a great voice and just the fact that she can still i don't know how old they are now they're probably in their 60s and and i think she's 70 now 70 something still sounds great a lot i think i i heard some performance of them doing I don't remember what they were what they did a couple years ago. It was some performance they did, and I was just like, "She still got it, man." That's yeah, cra- it's crazy. Heart a killer, dude. Yeah, um, yeah it, they have this way of being like absolutely beautiful over like the um, quiet parts, but then they could, especially Anne, can just crank up the grit yeah. whenever it's needed. So it's like. Every now and again, she'll bust out like a whale, and I'm like, oh, yeah. that's fucking awesome. Um, but yeah, when this album rocks, it rocks. And when it folks, it takes you places, <laughs> dude. Like, <laughs> what, are the, what, are, what are the big hits off that one? Uh, Barracuda. Is oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Barracuda's on this. Yeah, Barracuda, and I think think kick it out is on here as well or is that yeah i think it's kick it out yeah but um there's some there's just some really cool stuff on here um yeah i i just always end up gobsmacked when i hear this album because i'm like what are they gonna do next are oh, they gonna go really led zeppelin here oh that's like really they had this like they have this aggressive edge to them that they only bust out on occasion but when they do it just has so much more whack but uh yeah i love it awesome 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 stuff awesome source there's some much needed feminine energy in our our show because this this is like this is our show is is the majority of it is a sausage fest most of the time (laughs) we 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 need to do heart at some point big time because they've got a really interesting discography yeah and i and i need to do a deeper dive because like my i haven't really gotten into them just because i've never heard a full album where the whole album kind of got me it was always just been random songs yeah um but uh you know so that's you know that's why we do these eventually just to really get in there and uh and soak up everything 
Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> so my number five, ladies and gentlemen, the first ever doubling up. A band appears on my list two times. Cheap Trick, the uh, debut hey. album from Cheap Trick, which came out the same year as In Color. Like back, like that's all fucking how much shit they had to to to, to pull off. Like they put yeah. out their debut album and then within the same year put out their second album. But this album is fucking great. Um, it's I love it because it's 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 heavy at times, but a whole lot of it is weird. Like there's song choices that I go, this is really well written, but I don't. Where did they? Where did this come from? Because it's yeah. some of it is a little bit. It's like power pop made by really weird people, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's why I love it. And my favorite thing. So if you go listen to this album on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever today, in my opinion, it's in the wrong order because side B starts off the album now because Cheap Trick apparently like it better that way. But if you look on my vinyl copy, there's side A and then there's side one because this band has no B side material, folks. It is all uh, it is all A1 material. And... um. But yeah, this this album is just like so much fun, and um, plus like this the I I understand from the perspective of if you listen to it now and Hello Kitties starts the album off, okay that makes sense. But Hot Love starting the album out on here, I mean obviously it's intended for you to play it whatever order you want, but this is listed first. So I've all I've always considered Hot Love to be the beginning of the album, and that is just a blow the fucking doors open you know, kind yeah. of song like welcome cheap trick and cheap trick are a band that like you said with, with, uh, Alice Cooper, um, as much as I love like their seventies and early eighties output, watching them live, like, especially yeah. in the seventies, they were fucking insane. And, uh, and, and Robin Zander, if, I mean, forget about it. <laughs> the dude is just like, like crazy good front man. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, I don't know. It, it, this is just one of those albums that I feel like if you're talking about the seventies, something from cheap trick needs to be mentioned in the seventies because that that's some of the best shit from the seventies, you know, cheap trick is there. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a fucking fun as fuck album. Um, and it's my, uh, number five cheap trick or my first, I love it. The, 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 the first yeah. time it's ever happened, I was like, is it ever going to happen where two albums from one band are going to be on a, on a, on a year list, but there you go. Probably one of the few. Cause like once you get into the eighties, bands didn't put out two albums in one year anymore. But, yeah. um, but there you go. I, th I think I'm going to have a similar situation as we get further up the list, but, um, ah, okay. But uh, first off, my number four, I'm going to venture into some kind of soft rock AOR territory. All right. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with the debut self-titled Eddie Money. Oh, rest in peace, yeah. Eddie Money. Rest, rest in peace, Eddie Money. I love this dude's voice and Two Tickets to Paradise is one of my favorite songs in all of GTA San Andreas. A another reason that game fucking rules. <laughs> but, you know, th this is uh, one of many artists that, 
the game introduced me to and this is a damn good soft rock record it's it has it's upbeat ones and some great love songs on it uh but two tickets to paradise sells it already uh but then then you've got uh you've really got a hold on me want to be a rock and roll star baby hold on uh i think baby hold on was in vice city stories as well so that's a fucking great song yeah like this is a this is a good album if you like some some soft rock yacht rock goodness and uh i'm definitely one of those guys that like if i want something in the rock and roll vein but it's kind of chill um this is the sort of stuff i go for like even even um two tickets to paradise has that massive chorus but like it's it's also a really chill vibey song at the same time um and i i i fucking love it the, it's rock the and, it's times. rock and roll that won't make your parents too mad yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah it it just uh blah blah yeah yeah i like it what he said everybody <laughs> yep we'll get sub- yeah. we'll get subtitles on that part just so everyone can, <laughs> can understand what's going on I was um, speaking my less, native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, uh, especially, except for the people in the podcast world, I'm not forgetting about you guys in the podcast world. I keep saying things like, "Here, look at my look at my album cover," and uh, let's get some subtitles going. Uh, I'm not trying to make you guys feel like you're not special and you're not wanted because you are. Um, so yeah, I just gotta <laughs> I gotta acknowledge the peeps that are listening to this and not watching it because. Um, we're not, we're not like the best thing to look at in the world. So I kind of get it. It's, it makes sense. Uh, don't, don't sell us too short. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I get you've, you're kind of like the, the, the looks and I'm the mouth, I guess. Fuck. I don't know. Of the beard. I'm the beard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, number, my number four. Um, the, you, uh, you, you know, I, I, these, the next three that I'm going to go through are all albums that like, if anyone has listened to me talk for long enough, they're gonna be like, well, we knew those were going to be there. Um, <laughs> my number four is uh love gun by kiss. Yes. Um, which is, uh, which was honestly the, the first full length. No, the second full length kiss album I ever heard because I heard double plat double platinum was my introduction to kiss. And then I heard uh, Crazy Nights, or maybe it was the other way around. Either way, I heard Crazy Nights. But then I remember being at a used bookstore that also had records, and they had a copy of Love Gun, and I got it. And yeah. I was just like, God, oh, this album is just fucking amazing. Um, and we already talked about it. We did a three-parter on Kiss also. For those of you who might be Kiss fans, go back um, and listen. Back back when you could just listen. Um, yeah. With your, <laughs> you know, watch with your ears. But this album is fucking great. It's probably the best sounding Kiss album from the 70s to me, like production wise. Yeah. Um, but like fucking love, it's got Love Gun, Got Love for Sale, uh, Almost Human, Shock Me, I Stole Your Love. Like it's, yeah, it's got a whole lot of great shit on it. Plus the fucking album cover is just like, like I know a lot of people try to say like like Destroyer is the iconic Kiss album cover, but for me this is it. That's the that's the iconic album cover. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, and it's the and it's the last the last it's, it is the last one with the original lineup of Kiss. I think after that Peter Chris kind of starts getting replaced with other people. 
Yeah. Um, or no, he played he played a little bit on Dynasty. Whatever. This is not the Kiss ranking episode. I don't have all my facts straight. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Love Gun's great. It's just an amazing rock record. Um, and I, Love Gun is the kind of album that, well, there are several albums by Kiss from the 70s that like every time I hear it, I know that there are those people out there that there's this bandwagon thing where, you're, where people will say things like Kiss didn't know how to play their instruments or they were just a manufactured band or and like first of all it's embarrassing for you if you say things like that because it's just like you might as well tell everybody that you know fuck all about rock and roll yeah (laughs) and so uh, (laughs) but uh albums like love gun i'm just like there's just so much great shit on there and it's so well performed and well produced and it just sounds great and it's um and um yeah it's a, we talked about it a lot on that episode. I don't need to talk about it anymore. My number four, uh, Love Gun from Kiss. It's got to have one of the strongest album openers too. Like I Stole Your Love is such a kick-ass way to like open up with. God damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I guess that brings me over to my number three. Your turn. Cool. Number so three, num- man. Yeah. My number. Uh, my number three is. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. All right, I was yeah. wondering if this would if this would show up here from you because I I, I did we have never had a Fleetwood Mac discussion before. Um, yeah, I had this, a feeling. this Fleetwood Mac were a band that like I knew a shit ton of their hits. Um, similar situation to to Leonard Skinner, so like that they're, they're a bit more of a recent deep dive for me, yeah. but. When I looked at the track listing of rumors, I was like, "This is a this is like a greatest hits. This is a greatest <laughs> hits situation. It's just yeah, so many classic songs are on this record, and um, you know, this is a big um, it, this is a girlfriend album for me because uh, my girlfriend is big into Fleetwood Mac, and um, like Stevie Nicks is her like idol, um, so." this has been played in the car i can't even begin to think of the amount of times i have heard these songs in the car yeah um yeah there's so many classics on here it's ridiculous where's where's the i got the track list here like secondhand news dreams never going back don't stop go your own way the chain like i Ah. And even even recently, Dream, isn't Dreams the song that ended up in that TikTok video that everybody watched where the guy was like skateboarding and had orange juice? Isn't it Dreams that he's listening to? I I think so. I, I It was one of the songs off of here. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Dreams, to be honest. Yeah. But like, I, I always had like, whenever she says thunder only happens when it's raining, I'm like, I always chime in as that dickhead contrarian friend, like, Actually, it's technically not true. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's, it's but it doesn't fun. it doesn't sound as poetic to say thunder only happens when there's a chance of rain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that doesn't quite have the same ring to it. You know, you gotta I, I still, you gotta let you gotta let musicians and songwriters get away with some shit sometimes. That's why nobody you can't really get mad at. at it, I've, I've brought it up before. Paul McCartney and Live and Let Dies is in, yeah. in this ever-changing world in which we live in. And I'm just like, mm. that's a, there's a lot of ins in that. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like that uh that thing from the NWA episode that we did where we're we're coming up with like really bad alternate song titles and it oh, was like yeah. uh select members of the police department aren't very nice instead of just <laughs> fuck the police. <laughs> yeah. Um, um but you know it's it's funny cuz Fleetwood Mac is a band that like their time is is due for me because um i i've never i was never a fan and then i don't know se- several years back i remember just hearing something that that stevie nicks was singing and i'm all like i think her voice finally clicked with me well all of a sudden yeah. i'm like oh it sounds it sounds good i used to think it was mm. kind of annoying sounding um and so it's been one of those things where i know that eventually that's going to be a thing where I go and you know get into rumors and and yeah. what's their other really the really big one that everybody loves Tusk that's another one of theirs, um, but uh, yeah so it's a so it's I'm glad this is on here because it's it's it, it that's a group that I definitely feel like I need to give a lot of attention to at least their earlier output I don't know I don't know what happened to the band all I remember was that I got I saw Fleetwood Mac. When I was wow. in my in my early teens, and Stevie Nicks wasn't there, and it was that they used to do a free festival in Austin called Freedom Fest, and it was just a, fe- a bunch of music, and you just showed up, like you mm. didn't pay anything, and so we went there, and that particular year, the two big groups, so this was like nineteen ninety. I want to say 94 or 95, mm. maybe. Um, the two big groups were Fleetwood Mac and REO Speedwagon. Like that wow. was. <laughs> and, um, and Fleetwood Mac played. And I just remember, like, at one point, is Mick Fleetwood the drummer's name? Is that him, the drummer? I think so, yeah. He comes back, he comes around from the kit and he has all these electronic ju- drum pads all over his body. And he does a drum solo by hitting himself <laughs> all over the body. And, and then he has one on his crotch. And whenever he grabs it, it goes like, ah, or something like that. So he, <laughs> he does this whole drum solo with the drum pads all over him. And I was like, that's pretty fucking cool. But yeah, the rest, that's but, awesome. But the rest of the show as a teenager, I'm all like, what is this old people's shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't even like, like it even, I was even into the Ario Speedwagon thing. Cause I was, you know, once they, once they kick into a, What's that song called? Take it on the run. I'm all like, fucking hey, man. Even even as a young person, I'm like, that's a fucking great song. I don't care what yeah. anybody says. Anyway, Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac eventually is going to be a band that I'm gonna I'm gonna be giving some more love to. But uh, so I'm glad they're here. Um, do you have anything else to add for Fleetwood Mac? Uh, nah. <laughs> all right. So um, cool. So. God, this th- now we're getting to the point where I think these three albums. I love them a lot and I'm happy with the order I put them in. It makes perfect sense to me. But my number three is uh, Draw the Line by Aerosmith. Cool. Which is a uh, one of the most underrated albums that they did in the 70s because it doesn't have like the hits that you would get on Toys in the Attic and Rock's uh, but there's a, a rawness and an energy to this that 
I feel like the only way that this could have happened is that this album had to have been made in a situation where the band members weren't getting along and some of them didn't even want to be there because there's such the song draw the line itself is fucking great. But you also have yeah, get it up is a fucking great song. Kings and Queens is on here too. Um, it's just such a fucking great album. And I think that a lot of people will, you know, read about the album or see interviews with the band and they will say like, it wasn't a very good time and we were on too many drugs and, you know, and, and, and all of these different things about why the album isn't good without really just listening to it and taking it out of that context and being like, I don't care. Like, I, I, I don't know what combination of shit made this album, but it's one of my favorite Aerosmiths out, because it just sounds like a, like a rock band that's like, too too big to give a fuck anymore. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and they're too they're too high, but they still came up with some cool shit. And I know that like some of the stuff, like Joe Perry isn't even on a couple tracks, I think. And then some of the lyrics were written by the producer because Steven <laughs> Tyler was just like, I got other things to do, man. <laughs> And uh, but it still it still didn't stop them from putting out this fucking fantastic record. And um, to me, I said this before, there is no bad Aerosmith album. There are less good Aerosmith albums. I'll give you that. But Draw the Line is not one of them. Like, it's like it's a fucking corker of a of a rock album to me. It's like uh, um, so, yeah, but it's 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 so we like we are we, we literally are in a territory where you we have albums that in my mind are like, you know, desert island albums if i'm able to take like you know a hundred albums <laughs> that's the one thing whenever somebody says desert desert island and i'm all like can, on my desert island can i have like a suit like a huge trunk like full of yeah. records because <laughs> like there's a whole lot that i'm all like i don't want to leave that one behind and uh draw the line and my next two are also in that category of albums i'm just like some fucking rules so that's my number three draw the line cool so uh, my number two is Love Gun. See, this is the one that I knew that we would both have on the list. Yeah, I, I had yeah. a feeling. We're we're both we're both Kiss fans. Mm-hmm. And, true, uh, true. Big big ones at that. So uh, this is classic Kiss doing what Kiss in the seventies knew how to do. Oh yeah, and that's play kick ass hard rock to shag and be awesome too. And, uh, <laughs> that is uh, Gene Simmons. Take that and put it on every album, and give a cut of money to Eddie Sparks because that is that is what needs to be on every Kiss reissue now. <laughs> like <that's, Yep. laughs> like that sums up the band right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's great. Shut your brain off, rock and roll. Um, there are so many great songs. I, I think this one does have like some better than others, but goddamn, the ones that hit hit hard. Yeah. Plus uh, you get I, plus I, you get the first first uh, uh, song sung by Ace Frehley with uh, with shock, shock me. me. Yeah. I love that. It's so good. I stole your love. Shock me tomorrow and tonight and love gun on the same disc. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like this is kind of considered like the last classic record before kiss began to deviate massively from their core approach um but but if you but if you listen to our ranking you 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 know that we're also both fans of dynasty and beyond yep. 
<laughs> with yeah, this. Yeah, like, like that's that's the thing as well. And I I know some people. I I don't want to give too much away, but I love eighties Kiss too. So yeah, I got to the love zone very very quick in our Kiss ranking, even though yeah. there's like. 20 something I think, records i think really aside from carnival of souls and psycho circus no never mind i talked shit about the more recent kiss albums too once we got <laughs> once we got to you know the 90s the 90s and back it was literally just a, yeah. a, 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 an utter joy ranking their albums yeah <laughs> and that's uh yeah kiss doing what kiss did great in the 70s so yeah, great kick-ass hard rock to shag and be awesome too. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that. Um, cool. So th- this, I'm, I'm sure people out there might have considered, might have thought that this was going to be my number one, but it is not my number one. It is my number two. Um, A Farewell to Kings by Rush. Hey. Is my, I wore my Rush shirt today just for this occasion. Nice. Um, this album, there's not, you know, it's it's a gatefold. I, mean, I don't, I haven't been oh. showing off any of my gatefolds, but I mean, you know, fuck it. The, the people in the podcast world are just like, what gatefold? Come on, dude, shut up. <laughs> um, so the, this was really, this, this was a big album for Rush because they, they broke through with 2112, but I feel like this one, this one is the one where like, all of a sudden they had all these fans, but then they became like really, I think at this point they were all became rabid rush fans. Like they were, yeah, this is cause this album is like everything on this album is great. It, it, even if, so you, if you, you know, the, the, the single, the big single was closer to the heart, which is a classic seventies song at this point, amazingly well-written song because it's deceptively, it's like it seems simple, but if you really listen to the song, like how it's a song that's two minutes and fifty-two seconds, but it takes me on a fucking big ass journey. Like just yeah. the way the song, you know, goes from the beginning to the end. I'm always just like, they they did with two and a, two almost three minutes that most people can't manage to do with ten, <laughs> and so. Yeah. But then they also did stuff with ten minutes with uh, with Cygnus X One. But, and Xanadu, which Xanadu is one of my favorite Rush songs, just because it's, I feel like it's got all the best elements of Rush, because it's got the proggy elements, it's a long song, it's got some stuff that's that's kind of dorky, like the little yeah. keyboard, <laughs> it's very dorky in a very cool way, but then it's got the riff, when the riff kicks in with the, every time I hear that riff, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, this is just, it's like Rush is another band that, uh, don't have any bad albums in my opinion and their seventies output. I mean, even their eighties output, but like every single one of their albums has a quality to it that I'm just like that. I wouldn't take one out of the story. And this one is just great because it's still it's it's still them pushing the prog, uh, the the boundaries where where now they're now they're doing you know even longer songs and they're incorporating different kinds of instruments, and they fucking you know I think they went to like 
is it England somewhere in England to record this one? And there's even like sounds of just the fucking country where they're in the middle of the country, you know, mm-hmm. recording this album. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's funny that I'm, t- I'm talking so much about how much I love this and this is nowhere near my favorite rush album. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a fucking incredible album. And, um, I don't really, I, I, I don't really know what else to add to it. Like this, eventually we'll get to the rush ranking and, um, I'll, I'll really tear into these because they deserve it. And, um, I just think that this, the, the, farewell to Kings is, uh, is awesome. What, if, and also farewell to Kings is the, the album that currently, uh, Primus is touring and playing it in its entirety. Uh, wow. Which I actually watched on YouTube. Somebody posted a full concert. Um, pretty good quality. I, that's why I love iPhones and things like that. Because now I just go to YouTube and there's a perfectly good quality show yeah. that somebody has filmed. <laughs> and it's great because Primus plays like almost like a greatest hits hour of their music. And then they yeah. play Farewell to Kings in its entirety. And it's fucking great. Aside from the fact that Les Claypool can't sing the the Getty Lee parts, but he does <laughs> he does his best. Anyway, that's not that's totally. I mean, I guess it's related because it's talking about the same album, but we're not we're not on Primus. But um, but uh, yeah, yeah. My number two, Farewell to Kings from Rush, um, which didn't make my number one, but my number one is is literally in my in my in my life and in my brain and in my world blows all nine of these albums out of the water. And so wow. um, we'll get there eventually. So let's, uh, let's move on now with you. Oh, so you're, you're at your number one now. I, I am. Wow. I am number number one. one. Let's see. Let's see how this turns out. Can we get the, that's me rubbing, rubbing my hands together. This, this is ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. What, what's your uh, number one of 1977? My number one of 1977 is Alive 2 by Kiss. Oh, uh, man. Two live albums made it onto your list, but Al- Alive yeah. 2. Sweet. Sweet. Yep. This, now, it, much like Love Gun, this is classic Kiss doing what Kiss in the 70s knew how to do, and that's play... <laughs> kick-ass hard rock to shag and be awesome to on stage where they fucking belong and bonus and you get some studio tracks like the fucking fantastic rocket ride for mr ace yes Foley. um oh, yeah so good and like the track list consists of um songs from the albums destroyer rock and roll over and love gun and this makes for a killer killer listen hell yeah Um, hell yeah like most of the track list consists of a live show uh recorded at uh a concert at the forum in la Mm -hmm. while the last five tracks uh i think three of them are like live at the capitol theater in new jersey and a couple of studio tracks but oh man that this album it it really is it's the same as um alice cooper really their songs translate so well live yeah i think um production wise kiss fared a little better in the studio album department but 
God, so, damn, some of dude. them. If you talk, if you talk, if you talk about hotter than hell, that one definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, you have a point. Yeah, but it, in a, in a way, that album has its own charm because it's kind sure. of weird and and murky. Yeah, for a for a Kiss album, but uh, I I love this album. It's just kick ass song after kick ass song, and it really kisses one of those bands where it's like you got to see them live, dude. E- even though like. It, they're on their final a- actual farewell tour now, aren't they? Yeah, I did. I, 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 did I did air quotes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, we'll see. I mean, they, if they if they actually stick to it and retire, that's you know, that it's up to them. I don't really I don't really care. People like to make a big deal out of that. They said it was going to be a farewell tour, and then they got back together. I'm like, whatever. They're they're adults. Yeah. <laughs> they made their decision <laughs> to come back. Whatever. Don't go see them. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, like I, I, I love Kiss. I love Kiss, man. Yeah, so fucking good. I do too. But um, Kiss is amazing. Yeah, that that is that is my number one. Awesome. Alive too. That's I, that's an interesting <laughs> number one. So my I love. So I gave my I I hyped up my number one, and I'm not fucking kidding. Not, obviously, these are our favorites. So this is an album that I think it. I think it probably draws a good line down the middle of 50% of people will be like, that album's bullshit. And then the other 50% of people may be on more on my side of things. But to me, like this is one of my favorite albums ever made. An absolute Desert Island album for me. It's an album that was made in one year before I was born. But you put this fucking thing on and you crank it up and it gives me goosebumps. It gives me an adrenaline rush like few albums do. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, never mind the bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Knew it. This is (laughs) this album is like I just want to I just want to applaud the fucking the, the, the world, the world that this whatever made this happen. I don't care. Like that's the, you know, it's the same thing with like that people say about Kiss. Like you, like uh, clearly, Sex Pistols in a way were manufactured by Malcolm McLaren. He had an idea for this band, and so they they were like a punk boy band, I guess. But like the, I guess, (laughs) but whatever it is, like that the the combination of people that were put together. And I, and when I say people, I'm, I'm not really ever referring to Sid vicious because if to be fair, he has very little to do with the sex pistols. He has a lot to do with Sid vicious, but because he, he's on, I think he plays on one song on this album. Oh um, wow. Yeah. The majority of the bass, if I remember right, is played by Steve Jones. Um, and some of it played by their original bass player, Glenn Matlock, who, who years later, when they like reformed, Glenn Matlock, the original bass player, was the bass player. But the needle goes down on, on the fucking thing. And Holidays in the Sun starts. The riff of that song, is it still is just so... And yeah. the way that it's recorded, it sounds so good here. And that's one of the weird things about it is that it's like a, it's a punk album. But like it sounds really good. It doesn't sound yeah. underproduced. It's obviously it's a major label album. It ended up coming out on like Virgin Records over overseas, which I and Warner Brothers over here. Um, but just the every every single song on here to me is just 
it, I, it never lets up to me. It's, it's always a joy listening to this album. And, um, I don't really even care about like the punk aspect of it, you know, like their story is really interesting to me. And, um, I love everything that went on the hype around the band and the, you know, the, the great rock and roll swindle, you know, with them getting signed to labels and then getting paid to leave labels and shit like that, just because they were complete jerk offs. But, um, to me, like, that's like, like I, like, I kind of miss that in rock and roll. I don't want every band to be like that, but I want, I want there to be more actual, like dangerous rock stars. It seems like all the dangerous people are now hip hop stars <laughs> there, you yeah. know, and even then it's kind of a calculated dangerous. Um, but at the same time, it has to walk that fine line because in this day and age, you know, if a band wants to be like edgy, they're, they're just going to, you know, be complete douchebags, which I guess you could say that maybe the Sex Pistols were douchebags. I don't fucking know. Um, but really, if you like, if you look at it, like they did, all they did was like they cussed on live TV a couple times, yeah. but none of it is like, I mean, he, they, 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 they said the word fuck a couple times. Um, my favorite one from that, because I love the, I love the, the, I don't know what show it is that they're on where they're being interviewed by the guy and um and uh fucking uh uh why can't i remember anybody okay my (laughs) johnny rotten johnny rotten uh under his breath says you know tough shit yeah and then the the presenter is all like what what did you say say? and then eventually steve jones and that's when it that's when it escalates because steve jones just like you dirty fucker (laughs) yeah, <laughs> and then my favorite one is a thing that like is only it's only a phrase in england and i love it so and i don't think people say it enough anymore is he goes what a fucking raw uh yeah <laughs> and every time i hear that i'm like god that's so great it's a, it's I, I wish that was still a thing that people said anyway i don't i'm going off on a tangent here so this the, the never mind the bollocks is uh is is to me is an amazing album but i do but you, you have to agree don't you don't you hear some people that consider this like a shit album like i mean a- any album that's that gets critical acclaim is gonna have its naysayers you know you're always gonna yeah. have people hop on the thing of like like for, for me i like the album but I I mm-hmm. think, um, I I think I just need to get more into punk to be honest. Um, but you know, looking at all of the uh, ratings of of it on here, like if you go to the wiki page, you go down to the uh, retrospective professional ratings, the review scores, they are all five star, a ten out of ten. I think the lowest is eight out of ten from uncut, uh-huh. and like the rest of them are just perfect scores so you're always going to have people shitting on something because it's popular and you're always going to have your purists of like anything that gets successful is immediately null and void sell out fucking or whatever shit that is but you know it's an influential record that has stood the test of time because people are still you know being influenced by it 
And you could say that it's also an album that created and killed a genre all in, in one fail swoop because yeah. like, <laughs> because eventually, you know, very quickly punk became that thing where you would see people in the punk costume. They had safety pins yeah. on their shit. They, you know, it was, it, it became like a, like a, a joke really quick and you yeah. can, bl- you can easily blame it on the sex pistols for that. Because there are other bands that are considered punk around the time. I mean, Ramones being a big one that had a completely different thing going on. They were leather jackets and blue jeans kind of guys. Um, yeah. But to me, like that, they the Ramones is, to me has always just been like rock music. Like mm. for the when somebody says the word punk to me, there has to be a a, a, a certain I, we don't give a fuck kind of raw attitude along with it like it can't just be as it can't just be a sound or you decide that you're gonna sing with a snarly kind of vocal that doesn't make it punk just because you do that um it's it's something that almost is intangible to me where you can't it has to be the 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 universe has to line up in the correct way and all the all of these things have to be done in this way that's just pure chaos and to me that that's i'm just like that seems like punk to me um, but then later on down the line, punk becomes, you know, Green Day and things like that. And I, I can't shit on those bands because they're yeah. they're good bands. But um, but at the same time, you know, you take a band like Green Day and they, you know, you see you see that footage of like Billy Joe having a meltdown on stage. And I'm all like, all right, yeah. there you go. You're earning your punk cred there, buddy, because, <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, you know, that's that that's those are the kind of things that I miss. Like, I want you know, I want. I want there to be some chaos in my rock and roll. Um, anyway, that's, I've talked about that one enough, but I feel like I need to give it a lot of uh, a lot of love because we can't do a Sex Pistols album ranking because we just did it. <laughs> the, yeah. the number one Sex Pistols <laughs> album is the only Sex Pistols album. Although you can make the argument that the it's funny because when it came out at the same time, there was a bootleg version of it that came out at the exact same time called Spunk. Yeah, and that's also that's got songs that aren't on here. I think it's got two songs that aren't on here. Oh, fuck, I don't know. Um, but yeah, and then later on, like the remaining Pistols without Johnny Rotten, put out that the the great rock and roll swindle, which was you know a big big Malcolm McLaurin thing. But uh, but this is it. Number one, there you go. Not only did you get you got it, you got a cranked and ranked. You got a bands you should know with Detective, and you got another cranked and ranked that I did of uh, the Sex Pistols, the number one Sex Pistols album and my number one album of 1977. Never mind the box. Here's the Sex Pistols. So, um, yeah, yeah, we, we did, did it. it. <laughs> um, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> how, 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 how do you feel about this one, about 1977? Yeah, you're asking me? Yeah. You're yeah. the only per- you're the only motherfucker I'm talking to right now. I I, th- I thought thought this was for the viewer. <laughs> that was a that was a Steve Brule reference. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, f- fun year, year of the live album for me. Yeah, yeah, and the year of Kiss too for you. Yes, indeed. Though you um, you could I I could say that about '76 as well though because I, I put both. Um, 76 Kiss albums on that one too. Oh, he did? Yeah, I put uh, Rock oh, I and Roll Over and Destroyer on the same. Oh, so same I, here, here I am hyping up the first ever double 
on an episode and it's already happened in an old episode. <laughs> well, well, it, it was tech. I think it was your first double. So you can still, you can still hold on to that. Yeah. But it was, uh, some, it was something, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, cool. Well then that's that, that wraps it up for, uh, for 1977. Um, we'll be coming back next time with another actual group album. Nope. Artist album ranking band album ranking. Yes. Not, not yeah. a year. Um, back to our regular scheduled programming. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Don't, yeah. Now 70s, sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now let's, let's, let's throw it on over to Dave with the weather. And, um, yeah, anyway, it um, rains all morning and it cleared <laughs> up in the afternoon. <laughs> that was, that was Dell with the weather. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so that's all we got for this episode of Crankton Ranked. Thank you, all uh, podcast listeners. Thank you for listening, YouTube viewers. Thank you for watching. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't, if you're not subscribed, subscribe. Also, go subscribe to Eddie Sparks's channel. If you look in the description of this video, I always have a link to his page. Go over there and uh, and give him some love. Also, and then comment. What are your top ten uh, albums of 1977? Um, and uh, feel free to to throw in your two cents about what we picked, if you want. I guess. I mean, I I read them, I, I read the comments. So, you know, it's it's uh, so uh, that's that's part of that's part of why we do this. You know, the interaction between us and you, lovely people at home. Um, but that's it for this episode of Cranked and Ranked. Um, and uh, as usual, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna brace myself and <laughs> hand it on over to uh, Mr. Eddie Sparks to. Take us out. Oh, this is the part where I usually say that thing. What was it? It's been a couple weeks. Uh, I think it's like goodbye peeps or something like that. Oh, I, uh, it's, it's ringing a bell. Like it's, it's just, uh, I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain here, dude. Oh, that, maybe it was oh, till, that, till, till that, next time. Uh, fellas. I'm sure I, I'm sure it involved dude. I'm piecing it. I'm oh, piecing it together. I think I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something there. Uh, sup, dude. Welcome to Cranked and Ranked. Hey, this wait. is a show. <laughs> <laughs> the circle begins again. Welcome to 1977. Let's talk about our number ten album of 1977. All right, here we go. Eddie Sparks. Uh, my number ten is <laughs> Sin After Sin by Judas Priest. <laughs> I feel like we've been here before. <laughs> We're just Groundhog Day our own episode. <laughs> Ned Ryerson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Later, dude. All right, let's try, let's try, let's try this. No, let me do, 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 that, let's, let's try this again properly. And yeah. take us out. Ah, oh, shit! I forgot it again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I love it. I wonder if the people that actually watch the whole episode, they're all like their fingers on the mouse button or whatever to be like, and, and we're just, 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 you can just click out now. No, no, no reason uh, to finish this up. Uh, Try it again. Ready? One foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one too. All right. Right on. Later, dude. <laughs>
we got there. We got there in the end. <laughs>